everyone. Welcome to Contact Lost. It's yet another episode with me, Tomek, as the host. Uh, and with me today, I have two fantastic people. I won't say two fantastic guests because that wouldn't be completely true. With me today, I have uh, one of our other co-hosts, not Joker, but the guy who was the the brain behind our LGT coverage, the, the technical mastermind who made LGT and LGT coverage happen. So I have here Vitalis. Hi, dude. Hello, guys. And uh, with us today, I also have another mastermind, another wonderful, wonderful player, a very handsome man at the same time, but also a guy who uh, used to play a couple of armies, but now plays the one that is the topic of this um, of this episode. So, so uh, leagues of Votan. Uh, everyone, please welcome the coach of the Polish national team, Mr. Danny Porter. Hello. Um, yeah, you're just blurting with me too much, man. It's, uh, <laughs> no, it's, it's all enjoyable. well deserved. It's all well also, deserved. this is my first time with Vitalis, so this is nice. Yeah, exactly. First, exactly. first time here, yeah. Yeah, so it's, uh, you know, Vitalis is a, is a podcast virgin, although he has done a lot of technical stuff in the background of our podcast before, so... Uh, this time you can hear him on the mic. Uh, this time we're not doing it with cameras just because I don't have enough USB slots in, in my laptop to actually plug plug in a camera because I have a mic, I have a mouse, I have a, a headphone set, and I just didn't find one for the camera, so that's on me. Um, also, uh, everyone, before we uh, like get into the, the nitty-gritty of the episode, I think I owe you an apology. Um, Joker has already made an, an episode that is out there on YouTube and on Spotify and so on and so on. But he didn't really go into great detail when it comes to uh, why we had such a long break. And uh, I think I'll start with saying I'm sorry or we're sorry for uh, not being there with you for the last month. But seriously, uh, there's been so much stuff going on for us uh, as a podcast team in our private life, professional life, and so on and so on, that uh, we just keep, couldn't manage to, uh, you know, group up together and record something. First of all, uh, I think all three of us suffered the post-LGT burnout. And, you know, don't get us wrong, it, it, it was an absolutely fantastic experience, an absolutely fantastic event. We met all the famous people that you can think of, uh, also our listeners over there, and it was an absolute blast. But the road to the LGT that we recorded, the, the series, you can check them out, check it out um on our youtube channel and then all the coverage that we had done that you can find on the uh, london grand tournament facebook page uh it was just so draining and so intensive that we just felt a little bit burnt out and i think we we had the right to uh it went great but we needed a break and then it was, it was a blast but it blasted us out of our shoes absolutely yeah so it was really draining and, and uh I, for one, uh, although, you know, having experienced all those fantastic players, all those beautiful miniatures and so on, I went home planning on buying a new army, but the, the plans didn't come to fruition until like three weeks later or something like that, because I just needed some break. Plus, um, if you've listened to, to our podcast for, long, for a longer while, at least since LGT, uh, sorry, not LGT, WTC, you would know that uh, for a while I, I I worked as an interim manager for a team in America in my company, which meant uh, that I needed to work the late shift uh, or out of my normal shift, which rendered it almost impossible to find time to record uh, episodes. Plus a lot of like stuff uh, 
you know, in the middle uh, or in between, sorry, uh, like my wife adopted a new dog when we were at the LGT. So now I have two dogs uh, that require attention, blah, blah, blah. So yeah, just a huge sorry. Um, I don't want to make any other excuses, but all these that I've just made are, are legitimate. And I hope you understand. And from now on, I promise we will be back with uh, our regular uh, normal content uh, that you can count on to appear every week or well if if we are unable to do it we will let you know in a post or something like that but that that's essentially the introduction i I'm, again sorry and hopefully you'll stay with us still now let's get to the but quickly the but every time yeah, you, you cover a a tournament your wife adopts a dog <laughs> yeah, yeah that, that, that's, that's what she basically learned about that at the airport <laughs> yeah so right. she was like, we did discuss uh, having more than one dog because we already had one dog also adopted. Um, and we did discuss that probably at some point in the future, we would like to have another one. <laughs> but I didn't expect it to be like in three days. Well, you can't <laughs> say no if you're not there, right? Yeah, that's that's it. But also, you know, the, the situation was such that the dog was uh, found in in a ditch somewhere around Warsaw almost starved to death so it looked like a, a sack of bones basically and the foundation found him they made a post on facebook and they were looking for someone to immediately take him because they they didn't have like a, a home like a temporary home that they could put put him in so uh so it was either take him now or he will go to the shelter so my wife just said okay bring him bring him over uh, i'll take care of him and then you know when we were at the airport she called me and she was like she sent me a picture and like, are you mad? <laughs> and I'm like, are what? you mad? <laughs> what an absolute angel. Yeah. So, so that's that's the as I said, the private, um, private life part that got into the way as well. But it's all sorted now. We're I'm I'm now I have now learned how to walk two dogs on two separate leads, uh, you know, and so on. So it's it's fine. Um, right. We are here to discuss something that for a long while. Uh, has been considered, I guess, the the boogeyman, the uh, I don't know something that will break the hobby. Probably, um, we've heard rumors about the army coming out being OP even before it came out, even before the the book dropped. It was already known that this army is going to be extremely strong, and then we got gossip like German TOs are banning the army, and so on, and so on, and so on. Danny, uh, you've played a plethora of armies before, but you are most notorious for playing GSC. Uh, you had a, a, a romance with CSM as well. Now you're playing Votan. Um, before we go into like how you are doing with this army, uh, maybe tell us, you know, did this or did, do you agree with everything that was said about the army before you picked it up? Um. Yes and no. I, for me, I already decided I'm going to pick this army up when I first saw it in like June. Okay. Uh, because for me, I really love the aesthetic. It's like right up my street. Uh, we're obviously, my favorite aesthetic being GSE, of course. Uh, I just wanted something a little bit differently, and I'm not a big fan of Space Marines. However, this is like little tiny angry Space Marines. So I, I thought actually this is a sci-fi style that I really like. So I and I saw the bikes and the Terminators, I was hooked. So that's why I picked them up. Uh, I needed a fresh challenge as well. I picked up CSM. Um, however, I feel like they didn't really need a massive skill requirement to do well with them. 
uh, in comparison to say GSE, uh, for example. So I wanted to, I needed a new challenge because I was kind of bored of CSM already. I'd done what, uh, four tournaments and I'd only had one loss, which is pretty good. But it didn't feel like I could do much with the army anymore because uh, of how it felt. So I was like, when I saw the dwarves were coming out, it, I always knew I'm going to pick them up. It's a new army. It's a fresh challenge. Um, and I got the, I got access to the rules a little earlier than most people uh, through a variety of sources. And I, admittedly, when they first arrived um, to everybody, some of the aspects were really strong, like a little too strong. The whole Magna Rail thing, uh, if it auto wounds, it counts as a six. That is ridiculous. Um, and there's so many interactions that work off that that made the book insane. However, uh, and of course, auto wounding on a four, five, and six is really strong. Um, I'm not denying that at all. Um, I think people are right to be, they were furious or angry that this creep is happening, and that's absolutely fine. I totally get that. However, I don't agree that it was the strongest when it came out. Um, I do think things like Drakari, when they dropped onto the shelves at the time, at that particular time, or Tyranids, when they dropped with their codex, were a lot better than GSC, uh, GSC, <laughs> both <laughs> when, they dropped their, <laughs> when they dropped their codex, um, for a, a, a plethora of reasons. So I, I get why people think that this is a really strong army, but I've seen pro players saying that this is the strongest book they've ever released, and that's just not true. Uh, I think people are more angry at what Games Workshop have done or where Games Workshop are heading with the game than they are actually at the armory itself, if that makes sense. Because obviously it's okay. very clear that the power creep is happening. Uh, we can see that if we compare like Voltan now to where Death Guard is. Like, the, the two codecs just do not match at all in terms of power level. So we can see that creep is happening and I think people were more angry at Games Workshop for allowing such creep than they were logically thinking about the book because it's just They're not right. in the same ballpark in my opinion as Tyranid's Codex on release but it, it is a very strong book saying that. Okay. Uh, Vitaly, same, same question to you. I mean, you know, what were your initial impressions when, when the book leaked? Because um, as I said, it, it seemed, or as Danny said, you know, even the most um uh let's call them pro players the the pro players the top of the i the the uktc so vic vj and uh, uh david gaylark for example uh their podcast uh in their podcast they said you know this this army is absolutely broken they were they said the book was outrageous basically did you feel the same or did you feel like ooh this is interesting i mean you do play all the armies that are out there so did you immediately think i need to buy this as well well, I don't think I need to buy this uh, ASAP because I uh, initially I hated the aesthetics. They started growing on me later on. Uh, but uh, first of all, let me uh, go back to what Danny just said. I think it, it's not that, that the codex that was broken itself. It was for me, uh, but the, the addition itself, it's more the symptom of the disease than the disease itself. Because uh, there are so many mechanics in the bottoms that just require to roll full four plus, like the auto wounding, like the invulnerable on half of your army, like the terminator, terminators and fortress in Emir. Uh, so that's more of a, of addition uh, problem than the bottom itself. 
But going back to my initial initial thoughts about the, the codex that I also had an opportunity to look a bit earlier than, than most of the people. Uh, first of all, I came uh, to the to the votans, to the leaks, uh, right from playing the the Hail of Doom Eldar. So uh, auto-wounding on sixes in Eldar was crazy strong for me. So when I saw that the votans can do it of four plus, I was like, what the hell is just happening here? They will uh, shot everything on sight. Uh, second thing also mentioned by Danny was the Magnus. Because right now after the nerf, when they are not auto-wounding on sixes anymore, uh, they are just better last cannon. And before there were like Deus Ex Machina that you can just point at something and it goes boom. Uh, nevertheless, it was uh, infantry because the wounds would spill or it was uh, a heavy vehicle because uh, its strength, uh, I don't know, what's heavy, Magna 12, something like that, with no invuls and lots of damage. So, so yeah, when I first looked at it, it was, uh, it was busted for me. Okay. All right. So, do you think that the international community was was right to ban them because some countries did? Um, was it the right decision to do? Should you, you know, for me, for me, one hundred percent not, and not due to the power creep levels because that's the one thing, but uh, it makes a dangerous precedence in my opinion because if we are banning one army, why we didn't ban uh, like for example Tyranids? Mm -hmm. That were were also crazy strong. Why we didn't ban Harlequins? Why we didn't ban Tau at its peak? Why we didn't? We are not banning Necrons right now. They are also crazy in in their own way. It's not about the the army and the and its power level. It's it's about the the the, the precedence and creating something that we in Poland at one time called the Polhammer. Warhammer, so, yeah. Mm -hmm. yeah, playing multiple variations of one game. If we are playing Warhammer 40k, we are playing Warhammer 40k with all its drawbacks and all its flashes. So either that or or it always goes goes south. In my yeah, uh, Danny. So uh, you know we can say whatever we want, whether the, the the army was strong or not. But definitely, GW listened to the to the uproar, listened to the reactions of players. And decided to introduce some nerfs uh, even before the book uh, officially came out. Do you think that that was the right decision? And uh, where are the voting now? I mean, I think it was the right decision to nerf them. They absolutely needed it. Um, like, like changing the the whole interaction with the sixes to wounds was absolutely fine. That never should have been in the book in the first place. Um, because, like we mentioned, things like Magna Rails, uh, the Mortal Wound Strike, etc., was a little too strong, uh, way too strong. Um, I, in terms, like just going back, I think I agree. No army should ever be banned. Um, and I have a little bit of a personal problem with the people that are calling out for these bans because I know plenty of people that played Nine Void Weavers and were fine with it. I know plenty of people that played Drukari when they came out and were fine with it, or they've been playing Tyranid since and were, are absolutely fine with it, or perhaps not realising that Tyranid is a little too strong, but they were all calling for Votan to be banned. And I have a little bit of an... It kind of annoyed me, the hypocrisy in this whole situation. Um, and then the precedent. So, like, now I know Imperial Guard are going to come out and they're going to be pretty good. 
in fact, probably on par with Botan, but we'll see. That's my personal opinion from what I know about the rules. I'm just wondering if we're going to get the same reaction from the Germans or uh, the German community or from other people. Are we going to then start seeing guard get banned? Because obviously we've had a, a precedent that has been set now and we have to follow that precedent. That's the whole point of it. Um, so I'm curious how the community is going to react or if this was just a one-off because it's not an army that people play because it's a new army, etc. This is the contention I have with this whole scenario. Um, you can say well, I, I wanted to, to say, uh, you know, there, there were also voices that claimed that they made the army exactly what you said. It was a new army. So they made the new army crazy good to boost the sales. And then once they noticed that people actually have bought everything that was there to buy, they decided to nerf it. Um, I, I don't know if that's the, the, the actual thing that happened, but it. I mean, yeah. I think why this is a tinfoil hat theory, which has exactly. absolutely zero substance at all. We, we know that for a fact, because a lot, most of the new models that have been released in Knight have all had terrible rules. So, um, yeah, I, this is just a tinfoil hat people like to throw on to try and, um, I don't know, create a reasoning as, uh, uh, around what Games Workshop does. But we, we know that's not true. There's no evidence at all. There is no reasoning. I think they were trying that the, 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 all the upheaval about the uh, banning votants came from a bit something else. Because uh, uh, when we were talking about the Necrons, the, the Tyranids, the, the, the Harlequins, all that stuff, and Tau, and all, all those crazy armies that came out, uh, they all had like, all the rules combined were super strong. So, yeah. yeah, but I mean, in the Votans, they were just two crazy strong rules, the auto-wounding and I think the Magnus, we can all agree on that. Mm -hmm. uh, and I think that's the point, because they had the, let's call it the scapegoat in the codex that they can put all their roar about. There, was no, there were no such scapegoats in, in Tyranids because it was all around. In mm -hmm. Tau, also, all around codex strong. Uh, Arlequins, the same. Necrons, well, Necrons came out a long time ago, and it was it is a big different story with them. Uh, mm -hmm. So I think that's the point because there are two strong points in the codex that 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 yielded such a result, not overall. <laughs> Absolutely, um, and they did the right thing by nerfing this interaction with the uh, auto wound in the sixes. <clears throat> the problem with this is, though, however, is it sort of created a bit of a um, a disengage within the um, within the codex because there are now a lot of things in that codex that don't work because they all relied on this auto wound to be six. How, how many magnets you are, you you spilled? Because I have <laughs> I have yet to spill one. I to <laughs> with the neurons. Well, yeah. Luckily, they actually did this before all of the, the the rest of the models came out. So, and we've had a month since they nerfed it before they did the pre-orders. So, plenty of people can't complain because they didn't like buy three fortresses and then have them nerfed. They've actually had them nerfed before they've had access to models. Uh, if people want a 3D print, then go for it. That's a different to topic in, in general. Um, so that actually, I have to praise Games Workshop for actually nerfing them quickly and somewhat appropriately. So in terms of like the, the strength of the nerfs, yeah, they did it right with the sixes to wound. 
Um, I do think that they went way over the top with the points, so if anyone wants to discuss that. Yeah, I, I agree about that because uh, I think the the units that were supposed to be even more nerfed in point-wise weren't nerfed, like bikes, like uh, Fortress, uh, like the, the, the mechanic, I don't remember his name right now, uh, the... The Forgemaster, Forge yeah, whatever it's called. But the units that are not so strong, like Terminators, uh, went like 10 points, I think, 50 the points. The Berserkers, right? Berserkers are different story because they are pretty strong. And I think their nerf was a bit deserved because uh, right now at 30 points per model, they are fine. Yeah, I remember when I listened... Sorry, just one sentence. I remember uh, listening to, um, I think, Dustin Henshaw, who also plays GSC, uh, from a player from Canada. Um, I, I remember listening to his podcast, and he um, sort of organically started comparing uh, the Berserkers to Aberrants from GSC, because that's... Oh, mate, you can't do uh, that. I've tried that. It doesn't work. It just depresses. Just don't. Yeah, I think the mo more close uh, comparison would be uh, Harlequins with the uh, old uh, Dark Seat, because they uh, are similarly uh, fragile. They are not so mobile, of course, but I think the the, the most the closest point is the fight on death, like the Harlequins uh, had, and that would be a comparison here for me. And mm, that's uh, an interesting take. Yeah, because that's the biggest uh, biggest point on the Berserkers. You just touch them in uh, in combat and you don't care who goes first, whatever. They they will do their job anyway, even if one of the guys is standing after enemy attacks. And the <laughs> same thing was uh, about the Harlequins. And I remember remember uh, your episode about the Harlequins where Vladi was going nuts about that exact point. Uh, do you, you, you kind of sorry, could just quickly... no, 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 go on, go on. You catch up on two things that's really interesting now is first one you mentioned about touching the berserkers and you don't care about who fights or uh first or, or whatnot. I, I don't think that's necessarily true. Um if berserkers die, you can't use stratagems. And this is something I'm sure we'll talk about soon. But the stratagems for things like the berserkers are really just powerhouse that uh, that unit way more than they, they should be, right? Um so the reroll all hit rolls for berserkers is important. So if you're rocking three attacks just with the thunder hammers, you're hitting on fours. So statistically, you're hitting one or two attacks. Uh, and you really need these stratagems to really push them as a unit. So not necessarily, I, I agree that if you just touch them, you don't care if you fight first or not. The fight on death is really good. However, you do lose quite a bit if they fight on death because they don't activate as a unit, they activate as a singular model. Uh, additionally, Additionally, you said as well that the Terminators is not one of the stronger units. I agree that the bikes are the best unit in the book. Uh, and they absolutely, they went up points, which is good. They went up five points each. Uh, they probably should go up another five points. But the Terminators are really, really strong. And that's something that I lean on quite, quite a lot in my list uh, that I use right now. Um, but I don't think they should have gone up ten points. I think they should probably go up five points instead. And then the Volkite. Weapon should probably be like a three point upgrade itself, so it we would take it down to 43 points now rather than 45. But yeah, my, my point was uh, they're not, uh, I agree with you, they're not the weakest unit in the codex, they were not deserving such big nerf, mm. uh, point wise. 
because I also use them quite heavily. And but I guess we will get to that later. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So so let's try and um, and bring in some structure into this. So let's just agree that the army seemed very powerful at the very beginning. Uh, there was uh, dissatisfaction from the, the broader community as we know it and then nerves were introduced let's accept that let's let's start let's treat this as a starting point for the actual discussion so yeah let's look at this at this army is this still a, a, a boogeyman uh, you know that is threatening the, the meta the tournament scene blah 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 um danny I'll, I'll start with you when you look at the book now at the army now what are the highlights of the codex post nerves so First of all, maybe, you know, if I'm going to a tournament tomorrow and I know that these, this army is allowed, what should I expect? What what are the most important traits of this army? Okay, I, um, so the good thing about the book is it's quite really good internal balance. Um, so things like the leagues, most of the leagues are very usable. Um, a, a few are quite situational. Two are very popular. So you've got the Tharian League and you've got the um, Emir. Uh, they're going to be your staples. So one of them has like better token generation. One of them has better survivability with the invulnerable save, which is very important. Um, but also better shooting because of the plus four inch range and the plus one AP within half range. But the so yeah, you've got that, and then obviously you've got the not being able to uh, reroll wound rolls, which isn't people are calling really broken, but it's not. Like they have armor of contempt and reroll wounds. However, so do uh, sisters, so do um, iron warriors, and so do uh, salamanders. Uh, and arguably, that's not the strongest thing about their uh, legions or, or their chapter or whatever. Otherwise, people would lean into them a lot more. So I think, yeah, I don't think it's that strong. Not many armies actually rely on rerolling wound rolls to pop off, unlike, say, sisters, for example. Um, and then they've got Armour of Contempt, of course, um, and then they cannot be slowed, which I think is probably even better, depending on what tables you, you uh, play on, because obviously we play on WTC predominantly. Uh, and then you've got armies like Tau, or you've got armies like Craftworlds, um, or other armies that can slow you, and on an army where it's got little tiny legs and they run five inches, not being able to be slowed is actually really good, like really good. For me, that is better than no rerolls to wound. Uh, it's not better than armor of contempt, but it's better than no rerolls to wound because the mobility for me is the um, the highest strength that they've got, but we'll go into that later. Uh, so what I would say people do need to um, watch out for is how good their stratagems are. Um, and I think the stratagems is like the cream, uh, the cream icing on the cake. It just really takes these um, solid profiles and just like, gives them a massive power boost. So let's say, aside from bikes giving out judgment tokens, units like Berserkers can get full rerolls to hit, which is insane. Um, and it really just adds in a lot of power. But then the mobility stratagems like teleporting your half guard um, or throwing bikes into strategic reserves throughout the game, I find is really good. But then the board pressure, like or specs on bikes over the fortresses, um, or the unit like or, or mortals, for example, throwing out mortals from your fortress, or the reactive reprisal uh, stratagem, which I think is going to be a, a massive play um, 
in higher level uh, play in higher level games, uh, which this stratagem basically, if you've got a token on a unit, if they shoot one of your units, that's cooler. You can then shoot them back. You can't shoot them in your um, in your shoot in your next shooting phase, but you can shoot them in their phase. And I think stratagems like this is gives an absolute massive power level to this army. Um, so I think things like this people need to look out for. That's what so, I would say. Listening to this and also you know having read all the all the leaks and, <laughs> and stuff that has been posted about this, it sounds like this army really takes what is best in other armies and just puts it into one basket because it has the ignore movement. Um, uh, you know, difficulties like, let's say, the Death Guard has. Uh, then it has really strong shooting, like the Tau has. But when when we want to understand the play style of this army, I mean, does every league play differently, or does the army share just one common play style with just a little bit of flavor here or there? Uh, Vitalis, how many games have you played with this with this army so far, and uh, w what is the play style that you assume um, in your games? Uh yeah, I guess uh, a lot less than it because I played around 10 games, I think, with Votans so far, uh, including, I think, like three against them. Uh, mm -hmm. But first, let me uh, go back to what Danny said about rerolling wounds. Uh, maybe it's okay. just my my personal uh, preference as uh, recently also a Tau player. Uh, that rerolling wounds is not so strong. Uh, that's the main point on uh, crisis suits. Right now, and uh, as we know, that crisis suits suits are the cream, the cream of the Tau list recently. The, the five-man death squad uh, without rolling wounds, uh, they they are hurt a bit. And also another point about this uh, rerolling wounds is that in sisters, in salamanders, all that stuff, it's just a bonus to the particular chapter, right? And in votans, you just have them. You don't carry whatever you pick. You just have them. Uh, so I think it's a bit stronger, in my opinion, of course, than than we we just said. Uh, going back to to, to your question, uh, I think the the the, the votants are one of the books that has the uh, most different shaded uh, chapters or the leaks, uh, as they are called in there, uh, in the game, uh, because. The, the the bonuses from the leagues are are so specific that in one of the leagues you get bonuses to combat in another one you get uh, mentioned invulnerables in another one you get uh, mentioned uh, it does mention uh, plus one to toughness so all that things all the little things are affecting your list building your playstyle uh, the token generation is different so you also need to play around that uh, the tutorial leagues gives the tokens like crazy. Uh, other lists uh, also gives them like crazy, but not so much. You have to plan around them. So in in, in uh, Danny, what's the name of the league that gives you boost to uh, to combat? Chron uh, oh, okay. So the Chronos ones is it's gonna be built totally different than the Emir one, for example. So uh, no, the places differ very much from the from the pretty much uh, almost static gun line to uh, to rushing your transports into combat. I think even that the the codex has very limited number of units right now because I think it's the smallest codex right now with counting the the, the data sheets. 
or at least one of the smallest for sure. Yeah, it's probably uh, not smaller than, than Harlequins, but yeah. Uh, well, the Harlequins are part of the Elder Codex, technically. True. Uh, but I, I, I get your point, yeah, true. Uh, but uh, the, 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 the options are deceptively a lot of those in, in the book, not just those couple sheets that we have there. Even, even uh, like Danny mentioned, the stratagems, you get some stratagems to dish mortal wounds from beam weapons. So either you take beam weapons or you don't, or you take the bolt guns, whatever. There are multiple options in there that are mm -hmm. deceptively uh, hidden under the rules. Okay, Danny, uh, same question to or similar question to you. Like, you know, give or take, how many games have you already played with Votan? And uh, and you know, uh, if we want to go into like the army a little bit more, like, what are the most commonly picked up units in your list? Um, uh, okay, so how many games have I played? Um, I'm definitely almost 90 games. Okay, you don't, you, don't, you, don't, you don't need me here, guys. <laughs> I'm going to go. <laughs> 90 games? I played that in a year. <laughs> uh, uh, wait, yeah, yeah. No, I, um, we've got, like, I, we, yeah, my first physical game this is all tts my first physical game is of course gonna be next weekend uh we've got our warsaw uh tournament haven't we um and yeah like i'm in a lot of different leagues a lot of different tournaments uh team tournaments as well i do a lot of practice against different people i kind of i over practice and i over test um because obviously i want to learn and, and i want to be ahead of the competition on Understanding and mastering the armies, of course. Uh, but yeah, no, I played close to ninety games. Um, so for me, what is the most played units? For example, I think I think this is where it differs. I think people, I, I can see definitely see a pattern where the more experienced, the more understanding players play something, one thing, and the more general population uh, sort of fall into a trap and play something else. So the most common thing I see is usually like a battalion with like the three you know the three squads of 10 warriors uh and like one or two squads of three bikes and like a fortress two fortresses all the characters um maybe not even berserkers not even half guard or anything like that and they sort of fall into these safe traps and i i don't think that's a good idea uh necessarily because i don't think that's where we are strongest so, for example, for me, uh, I run 18 bikes because bikes are incredible value for what they offer. Um, a lot of people are running GTL at the minute because it does allow token uh, manipulation. However, the value of tokens has gone down since they... I, I know that sounds really bad, but someone's probably going to pick up and uh, get pitchforks and say, how, can you, how dare you say that? But the value of tokens has gone down, um, especially stacking them since they changed the auto wounding on uh, becomes a sex because a lot of damage wasn't necessarily in the auto wounding on a four five and six a lot of the damage was the aftermath of what weapon you shot so a uh, real rifle doing 12 damage no matter what if it's a you know just wiping out a full squad of uh, banshees or a wiping out a full tank or whatever but the auto wounding on a six is removing that has for me given a lot less value to auto wounding on a four five four or five i find being able to just auto wound on a five or six is solid what happened for me though the nerfs shifted for me the value of going from gtl to emir because of that five up invulnerable save 
And what I find right now is the units that can abuse this invulnerable save, so bikes, and that's um, berserks, and then to some extent the half guards, but that's for some other reason, are the best units. Um, and that's not the fortresses, and that's not the um, the the warriors or the characters. It's definitely the bikes, the half guard, and the um, berserkers. And then obviously the Sagittars are in insane value for what you get. Okay, so I don't think we're gonna go into like you know all the stratagems in the book and all the relics in the book and all that. I I don't want to make I want sorry don't want this to be a book review, but I want to 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 take the most out of it, make this the most informative, competitive wise as to what you can meet or see potentially at tournaments. So what are maybe the most important, the most viable? interactions or combos in this book uh, and this goes to both of you you any of you can pick up this, this question um what are the the most common combos that you can expect at a tournament that we as players who don't play voting should be ready for so maybe let me start uh, because danny i guess will uh, add like a bazillion of combos on top of the, what i will say uh, so for me basically uh, they mentioned uh, shooting uh, after being shot that is pretty crazy uh, on whatever you 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 aim uh, it because all the units it's uh, limited to core so basically warriors uh, and bikes going to be your main uh, your main uh, targets here and the value the volume of shots from the bikes is crazy for the points you pay for them for even three of those you get like uh, 12 and plus 9 around 20 shots that are maybe not the best but definitely not the worst they're way above average bolters or something like that uh, another crazy uh, crazy combo also also mentioned already is the teleporting of the of the terminators because it can get you some unexpected places uh, if someone is not anticipating that even if you said hey i can teleport these guys uh, during the battle, uh, especially when you can do it for zero CP if you have the relic. Uh, the last combo, uh, because I haven't played the mechanic yet, as as in my list, I have played against it, and uh, with just the mechanic unit and the fortress, uh, or any vehicle, but I guess the fortress will be the main uh, culprit here. Uh, it is deceptively tanky. I had a game yesterday that's fresh in my mind where Bloodthirster charged the fortress. Uh, it bounced off its invulnerable from Emir. Uh, one of the damage was reduced to zero from the mechanic and then another one was healed uh, right after that. So it can be it can be really tanky to take down with, the, with this, these two units uh, side by side. Uh, also but that was pre-nerf combo, the Ion Blasters with the auto-wounding sixes, uh, dishing out some mortals for one CP was also solid. Uh, I think that's what comes... Uh, Immediately to mind. Yeah, to, to, to my head. Danny? Mm -hmm. okay. Yeah. <clears throat> uh, yeah, I had a couple more on top of that, actually. Um, yeah, the um, yeah the broke here, just sort of babysitting the fortress is really good. Uh, the Vrokir combination is really good as well because of the plus one to hit, but also the reducing CP by one. 
and that's once per turn and once per battle round. So, for example, if you're in Imi and you've got um, the Fortress, you're going to give him the four mortal wound stratagem for free, which if you're taking the Beamer, which is really good. Uh, there are a couple more. I think that's quite important. Um, so, for example, if you're taking the Ein here, which you really should, um, I think most, most lists should take them. Uh, the stratagem look has uh, neat keeps toil earns, I think it's called, is one of the only better ways to give them a, um, a feel no pain. So what that does is if you're on an objective, at the end of, uh, end of your movement phase, so that's important because if you teleport them, then you can pop it once they, they hit onto an objective. Uh, they pass morale tests, which is massive because if you fill morale, or they auto pass them. So if you fill morale, uh, on a 45-point a model unit, that's going to feel really bad, especially if you fail it and then another two run, you know? You don't want that. So it auto-passes the morale, but it also gives them a uh, a feel no pain uh, on a 6+. Plus. And that's really good because then you can combo that with the um, plus one top of the 6-up feel no pain uh, psychic power that can then go onto another unit, for example, if you've got bikes. Um, so then you can stack the two up uh and, and share it so then you've got you know you've got a nice defensive layer on two units rather than being stuck on one so that for me is quite important um going back to the reactive reprisal what i find is quite good is uh, abusing the um so yeah as we say i i'll take six bikes i'll put plus one toughness a six or feel no pain on them i'm going to put them into a i'm going to auto advance them into a really uh difficult i'll give them the full rules to hit from a cow uh high cow I'll put them into a really obscure um, area of the board that my opponent would have to come and move out to shoot them. Otherwise, next turn, they're going to get into their lines and start causing all sorts of havoc. So they've advanced. So that means they can pop my riders. And this is also important. What I do is also keep them to the side of the board. Um, so they'll pop my riders. That means in my opponent's turn, they'll be minus one to hit because they've advanced. Um, they the hit roll cannot be re-rolled, so it gives them quite a bit of um, survivability. They've got a five up invulnerable safe and their toughness six, and have a six of feel no pain. But then, if they get shot and they survive, I'll pop re reactive reprisal and I'll shoot them back with the full re-rolls from the car. So already they're doing a lot of damage. Um, they, they're surviving quite a bit. They're forcing the opponent to overextend. And then when they hit back, they're doing a, quite a lot of damage back. Bikes do a lot of damage. Uh, and what this means then, in my turn, I can't shoot him. Shoot him. But what I can do, I can even move forward and, and steal objectives. Or maybe I can go and do an action. Or I can pop um, the outflanking pioneer stratagem and then throw them into strategic reserves. So I've shot and then I've moved them into a safety for the next turn to reposition elsewhere. Um, and this will lean into my summary of the army's strengths is that mobility for me is their biggest uh, strength. But that for me has been one of the most, um, I'd say, it's, it's a lot of CP, but it's one of the most oppressive uh, combos that I've come up with so far for me. Um, what else are we looking at? There's also another one, for example, where um, bikers also can throw a marker onto uh, a unit with the, um, I can't remember what it's called. Someone else will probably know. Um, Actually, I'll pick oh, light them up. I'll pick my book up. So light them up. Each, for one CP, they can put a judgment token on once they've shot, as long as they've got the uh, search like keyword, which they will. So that's quite good. Um, then we've got things like pan spectral warning is a good combina combination. 
But I'm just thinking if there's anything else that's pretty spicy that I can sort of... I guess there's a couple of stratagems and combos where you can turn off Overwatch. Um, Warriors amazingly can turn off Overwatch if you're within six inches for some reason, but yeah. Um, but yeah, I think... Yeah, I think that's sounds good. So, I mean, sounds sounds incredibly strong. Sounds, again, like an, like an army that is a very interesting toolbox in the combination of, of the units. This did we mention that bikes were not nerfed enough and they're the strongest unit in the context? So we, we, we did not have to say it like the, the way you <laughs> yeah. did because like everything you know what's said funny? points to, before, to it. Before they nerfed the codex, I was telling everybody I would never run 18 bikes because I didn't feel like they were actually as good as other units in the army. I, like, I was looking at like 30 berserkers. Or I had a list with like 37 haters. And then they nerfed the codex and immediately I was like, oh, 18 bikes looks good. Maybe I'll run that. <laughs> yeah, it comes as no surprise. As I said, it, it, it sounds like there, there are so many ways you can you can buff and improve this unit. And it it, it, it can play both offensively and defensively. Like there there is nothing you you can not like about them. But um let's look at this army now from a from a maybe a little bit different angle. So let's think how to crack it, how to basically play around it. Does the army have any weaknesses? Vitalis, like, you know, either playing against them or having played them in the past, was there anything that immediately stood out to you as, holy shit, I need to be careful about that, or holy shit, I hope my opponent doesn't realize that, that that's, a, you know, a soft spot? For me, I, I haven't, I say I haven't playing it a little bit different playstyle from Danny, because I was looking at it more of a gun line like that's I said, even I was, better like, yeah if you, was, if you two have different viewpoints sorry points of view that's even better go on yeah because uh, i was focusing on the especially pre-nerf on the fortresses on the warriors with magnas uh all that kind of stuff <clears throat> sorry uh, so my first uh, impression that uh, they played a bit just a bit similar to tau uh with my variations uh and for me, the unit that can close the distance pretty fast and are melee focused. Uh, so, like we mentioned, you cannot uh, get shot in the, in, the, in the face in your shooting uh, phase. Uh, so, cracking them in uh, combat, I think, is one uh, one way of uh, of doing that. I think another way is uh, uh, volume of shots. Because uh, something like uh, when I was playing Knights uh, and uh, I was playing against Thousand Suns, always what hurt me was the volume of shots from, example, Terminators, Thousand Sun Tank Terminators with plus one to wound. Uh, and I think it's similar with Volton. Uh, they, they have pretty good saves uh, for, for big guns. Uh, invulnerables and uh, some two ups on on the terminators, the fortress, but some uh, high load of shots with, for example, two minus two AP will will take him down eventually. So and of course that uh, good old spam of mortal wounds because uh, aside from the from the droid, I call him the droid always. I don't even know what this unit is called in the reality. It's always the droid for me. Uh, denying some uh, some uh, psychic powers, the the, the uh, and feel no pains, of course. But like we said, there are just two methods of stacking them, 
uh, the, the, the mortal wound spam will also work nice. So the usual conference will, I think, will at least take, uh, maybe not take them down very nicely, but uh, take, give them a good fight are the Tyranids, the, the, the Harlequins. Tau, to some extent, uh, will will make a good uh, gunfight with those with those guys. Uh, yeah, not 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 much of of uh, of surprise here from my point of view. Okay, Danny, moving to you uh, again. You said ninety ninety ish games probably gives you quite a clear picture <laughs> of what, if anything, <laughs> sucks about the army of what or you know what what. What you need to take into account when you're building your list and when you're prepping for a tournament. Uh, so let's start with your overall impressions of the army weaknesses, and then I'll try to 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 find some with some extra questions. Uh, but yeah, your impressions of you know the sure. soft spots. Um, I think Vitalis is sort of nearly on the heads. Um, so for me, the the biggest problem with this army, and this is why I don't consider it as one of the best armies out there, uh, especially in the current meta, is it's very high cost per wound. If we apart from the bikes, I'm here half guard, they are 22.5 points per model. Um the berserkers are 15 point 22.5 points per wound. Berserkers are 15 points per wound. A lot of their even bikers are what 11 or 12 points per wound. The half, uh, the half guard, the warrior, sorry, the half kin are uh, 12 points per wound before you factor any additional uh, weapons, etc., which you need. It is quite expensive. Um, we're talking higher than we're talking custodies level, right? Custodies level expensive models, it's a very elite army, however, um, they don't have the same fail safe as perhaps custodies does, and this creates a lot of problems in a lot of matchups. I found. So mortals, like you've mentioned, if there was a Lee that gave me a fiber funeral pain versus mortals, I would play that and I'd never look at any other Lee because I have lost games because I cannot survive. Uh, I don't know, let's say I, I play against one of our players. He popped up two Tyrannocytes and inside the Tyrannocytes was zone ropes and there was just no way to screen. I was dead. Turn two, I was pretty much tabled. Uh, there's just no survivability against alpha striking with mortals. And I think this is, this kind of leads into the problem I had when I said that they over nerfed them with the points cost. If perhaps they reduced it, the army by 7% and I could add in, I think everybody should be able to add in one more warrior squad as a screen. I think the army would be in a much better, healthier position. However, right now, because it's so expensive, mortals, pure weight of dice, absolutely wreck this army. Um, so sisters, uh, like we said, sisters, um, tyranids, absolutely. The whole thousand suns and demons popping up is a massive problem. I know some people will argue with me, uh, like Vladdy had a really difficult game against demons. However, I think he played it wrong. Um, I'm sure he'll argue with me about that later. But if your flamers can, like, if, if the, the problem with this for me is any army that can trade one-to-one -one with yours, uh, which a lot of armies can do, you, they're going to win. Because you, you only field in an average 9 to 11 units Whereas your opponent could feel perhaps 15 plus. So if they can trade one to one, you're going to really struggle. Um, and that's where flamers come in because six flamers are going to trade one to one almost identically with your bikes. And even then, because of the way they their delivery system, they can then they can do a lot of damage. So that's one thing. 
um, mortal wounds, pure weight of dice, wreck this army. The other problem that this army has is scoring. Uh, and we've seen right now, your codex can be absolutely dog shit, like Necrons to some extent. Um, however, if you can score 90 points a game, it does not matter. And if you can score that passively, it does not matter. The problem with Votan is they do not have this capability. And I, I really hope you're going to release this after this weekend. So no one listens to this when they go to Warzone and figure out how to beat this army. But right now, Votan rely on two Kili secondaries, I would say, and one passive scoring. So if the opponent can take two passive scoring and one Kili, the, they are forcing the Votan to play aggressively and they can play around that and that to me has been a massive problem i found um so low because they score they have low scoring objectives things like ancestors for example ancestors is probably the best secondary right um and if any of your unit they, it can only score a maximum of 15 according to nephilim it cannot score 18 because at the end of the game you count how many points you've got and you minus points if units with a token have survived and that's the same with grudges as well and grudges can be really good in the current meta because a lot of high um value targets are quite uh, 150 or higher points however if anything survives at the end of the game you negate points from your scoring but because of nephilim have added in this maximum 15 cap you actually cannot go over that and you actually start scoring less and less and this is a bit of a problem um so that's one thing but then over scoring things like the um the prospects is just really bad because you can't you can't start the action if a unit is on the objective um and then you compare that to like necrons who can do that they just have to control the objective or the uh, lay claim which you would score points at the end of the game but if you go first you're in trouble like all your, your opponent just has to be smart and keep some um what's it called keep some offset towards the end alive now this is where the problem gets in another problem is that yes photon have really good models and really good units however their scoring potential is pretty limited especially if the opponent is smart enough to start shooting down the bikes so if you lose your bikes really early you've got no way to score the towards the middle of the board because you just your offset is on your warriors apart from a warlord trait over there's no other way to give offset so mm -hmm. if your opponent is that has really good target prioritization it's really difficult once votan get momentum you can just cut the um uh, i don't know what the expression is you can just like slow them down really quickly by being really good with the prioritization uh whereas for example with necrons let's say if you're against necrons it doesn't matter who you kill they're all offset so i think yeah pretty much just, yeah i think the scoring is the biggest problem right now Okay, so as I said, I, I have a bunch of questions that I usually ask mm -hmm. when we analyze armies to see where they sit and how they play. So a question to both of you, who, again, whoever feels more comfortable, please uh, pick it up. Does the army care a lot about the table? And I'm asking the, that probably with a view to team tournaments in the future. Will that army be one of those that wants to pick the table? And then that would be, I don't know, the more dense one, or or maybe it doesn't care about the table. What, what do you guys think? Vitalis, you can go. Yeah, uh, I think uh, they're not the one of the most uh, stable riot armies because, like Danny said, they are pretty mobile, so they can uh, pick their angles at what they engage, what they shoot. 
Uh, but they that... are scared of mortals, right? So they they want to hide from like smites, for example. Yes, but that's not the table problem because if you uh, the, the discrepancy between the speed of the warriors and the speed of the bikes is so big that they they don't care about the tables, uh, especially that the bikes are accelerated, so they have better advance uh, than the the humble three inches advance of the warriors. So the screening is uh, is is not table reliant so much. Uh, their shooting is also uh, a bit different than Tau uh, because uh, the minus one from the from the vents from the forest. Uh, well, maybe that's not uh, not not. Uh, well, I lost the word. Not so uh, not 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 good uh, words that it's different because uh, it has more. I think more reels than than for example Tau. Uh, from the high call and the call and the normal call, if you get it more, uh, and of course it gets more combat. Uh, so I think no, not the most stable reliant army, in my opinion. Okay, Danny, your take. <clears throat> I I'm gonna sort of slightly disagree. I think it's a really interesting question. So um, table matters depending on how you build your list. I mean, obviously that is that happens with most armies. However, I think the list building and the power and sort of your strategy can differ quite substantially. So, for example, um, fortresses. Fortresses can be really strong and really powerhouse. However, they, I think for me personally, they fall short on WTC. Uh, so, and again, that differs between singles or teams. I, I assume we're talking predominantly singles here. Yeah. Um, so the problem with that is if you play in a WTC tournament, you're actually really screwed up, let's say fucked up, uh, because you're basing yourself on the luck of being able to draw a good table for you. So if you're go if you get like say table seven and you're playing WTC, you're gonna be your opponent has so much uh, leverage over how you play the game if you play um, your fortresses. However, if you play something more mobile, like my list i built entirely on mobility like it's purely the most mobile i could build out of an army uh, out of uh, voltan and i think it doesn't care about tables it only cares about my opponent's agency on tables uh whereas fortresses absolutely care about tables because if you can't get the right firing angles then they're almost uh redundant right however if you can then throw them on uktc maps instead of wtc they're really good like phenomenally good because they have good mobility and there's some really good firing angles which one day maybe Zach might fix <laughs> but they they are really good on them tables so yeah I, it's a difficult question I think they do and they don't care it depends on how you build your list like I built my list because I do not want to have to rely on tables and I can play on almost all tables the problem is then I I care more about my opponent's strength on tables for example Tau our tower are really good if they've got ways where they can get awkward angles, but then they can fire and fade behind an L, uh, even a small ruin. Um, whereas for me, I don't necessarily, because of the way I can play my army, like my bikes are going to jump in and out with strategic reserves. My terminators can deep strike and teleport. I don't necessarily care about um, the tables themselves because no matter what angle, I'm going to get them. Whereas my opponents do. So 
I don't know if that's a good answer or that is an answer, if that makes sense at all. Yeah, it does. That, that's what I was going for. So let me dissect this a little bit more. Um, we are now playing Nephilim. Nephilim has drastically decreased the amount of command points that you can take. Like my Tyranid army, uh, my Tyranid lists have suffered greatly because of like the limitations of detachments that you can take and 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 mm -hmm. the detachment costs. So how does this army build? Uh, or sorry, how do you build a list for this army? Do you pick multiple detachments or is a battalion enough? And then the corresponding command point amount that comes with it, is it sufficient to be able to afford the stratagems that you want to use? Or does this army struggle with this? Or do, you know, is, is it smooth sailing for them with that? So Vitalis, I'll start with you. Uh, so I will just sum it up with one, uh, I don't want to call him Druid anymore. So I will just find quickly how this guy is called. Are you talking about the Grimnir? Yeah, the Grimnir. It's like, yeah, because the Grimnir uh, for me... Grimnir. Yeah, uh, for in Nephilim, uh, whenever I see you gain a CP that is not on the 5 plus, uh, I take it first. And then I start building the rest of the army. Uh, because any gaining of CPs right now is crazy, and the Grimnir just gives it, uh, you cast a power and you got a CP. That is crazy good in in current meta. Uh, so that's the first thing. So you get an extra CP every turn, just like that, pretty much. Because uh, he will, for me especially, he will just hang back around uh, backlines uh, to not be uh, denied too much. So that's the first thing. Uh, another another thing for me is that the, all the relics, the, the warlock traits are nice, but they are not pretty uh, must-have, aside from maybe if you're, uh, if you're taking the Brockner, the, uh, the reduction of damage, that is must-take pretty much, because if you're taking the Brockner, you're taking the Fortress, and you want it to be tanky. Uh, but for example, for Haikal, uh, and if experienced eye that is giving you extra judgment tokens is good to have, but it's also not necessary. So they're not uh, bloated with must-have relics, must-have formal traits. Uh, so you can cut some CPs uh, on that. And like Danny mentioned, the stratagems in the codex are really, really, really good. So you can, uh, even if you're taking the um, Outrider Detachment for the for the bike spam, you still are starting with, then taking some Warlock trade, you're starting with like three CPs, you're gaining four, uh, fourth at the start of the game, then your uh, Grimnir is casting his power, you have five CPs at the uh, start of your uh, turn, turn one. Okay, so that doesn't sound like a weakness then. <laughs> Yeah, that's that's uh, that's a pretty uh, pretty good. So uh, I think they are pretty safe in that attachment. Mm -hmm. Okay, Danny, your take. Uh, so actually, this is something that I've been really struggling with um, myself because I always want to try and start the game with one CP because then when it's my turn, I've got two, hopefully three with the. Um, uh, the Grimnir, I almost called him Druid myself. <laughs> uh, hopefully, then he's got three. I yes, can I'm not the one. Three. Yeah, 
Um, and then, oh, if I go second, I've got four. Um, but what I really want to do is if my opponent goes first, I want to have enough CP to be reactive uh, with some defenses, depending on how they approach me. Uh, so that might be um, perhaps, you know, things like being able to um, reactive reprisal, like we've said. Um, but then I also find that I, I need a patrol and an outrider because I don't want to have to run more than one squad of warriors. I I think I just don't think that they're quite pivotal in the army, although I know a lot of people like them and a lot of people get value out of them. For me, they're just too slow. They're too much of a problem. I don't like them. So I'm having to use a patrol and an outrider, which means I'm already down three CP. But then I I need the relic on my half my I'm here half guard. So I'm down to two CP. And then I'm using the um the stave, the murmuring stave on my Grimnir because it allows me to cast, gives me the option to do psychic actions and still have one cast. Because I always need either one CP or the tough, plus one toughness and six or feel no pain. In fact, that spell is more important than the CP. Um, I, very, funnily enough, I am constantly in my mind asking myself, do I really need this relic? But so far, it's one of them, like a condom. I'd rather have it and not use it than need it and not have it. Um, Wonderful metaphor. <laughs> you, yeah, yeah, you can keep that one. Um, so I, I keep asking myself, I keep convincing myself, right, I need to have it. And that's that. So I'm down to one TP. And then I'm constantly bouncing between a warlord trait. Um, I don't like the cow's warlord trait, the experienced die, because all a long list. Why? Because I find my opponents aren't stupid and do not give me a line of sight vision in my in their command phase. I also find the problem that they try and bait him out to see them and then he's put in a really bad position. So I'm, I can't rely on this, especially on WTC maps. In UKTC, GWUSO maps, that's fine. You've got a lot of shooting lines. But in, in WTC, because of the way maps are built and they're so, um, uh, you know, you could be you could be on a really open map one game, but then four dense maps for the next. It just it's the look of the dice, right? Look of the uh, whatever table you're, you've been given. I can't rely on it. However, I'm finding demons are very very popular right now, and demons can be a massive problem if they are like building lists around corn or Slanesh and they want a deep strike. Uh, and I, I'm not sure if you're familiar, but the way their mechanic works is it modifies your leadership and then it can deep strike within the leadership value. So Yeah, basically come closer than nine. Exactly, exactly. And I, I've actually lost a couple of games because of this. So uh, because they'll just start deep strike, they'll drop like three squads of... Um, uh blood letters and then they'll drop like a massive a massive um uh what's it called like um greater demon of corn or whatever they call it uh, bloodthirster bloodthirster yes they'll drop a massive ass bloodthirster in my face like six inches away and then and and i don't really i'm not a part of that life to be honest with you i don't really want that happening to me um so also the flamers um and you know, getting all these all these units so deep strike in front of me. And what I so instead, what I'm trying to do is I've decided to take now I'm having to take a warlord trait, especially for singles, that prevents any modifiers to my leadership or um, combat attrition. Because again, also if I fail morale on bikes, 
and then I have like another two run. My I'm you know I'm bleeding models that I do not want to bleed, and it's improving the trading, the one to one trading to one to two trading or whatever my opponent's been able to do. I, I don't want to stop that. So I'm actually finding, and this is a really long-winded uh, answer, but I, I actually find a really big struggle between CP um, because I think Voltan have such good answers to the matter uh, with the Warlord traits or the relics, but also that the I find that there's not much value in the Warriors that I'm having to take detachments that cost a lot of CP. Does that answer the question, or is that just too long? Yeah, it, it answers the question uh, perfectly. But it also touches upon something else, and I think it was like the second time you mentioned this. Uh, the army, at least the way you were describing it, it sounds, you compared it to, to Custodes even, so it, like, uh, it, it looks and sounds like uh, an elite army almost. Um, mm -hmm. Does that mean that it's poor at trading, that it doesn't have good trading units? Um. I think the problem it has is it doesn't have good screens. Right. So, um, so the trading You're exposed is all the time. Mm -hmm. Exactly. The trading is fantastic. Like um, the bike squad, it has insane damage. However, if you shoot it back, it's only 20 wounds. If you take a six man squad, 20 wounds, um, a toughness five or six, five up invulnerable. It's not as survivable as people think. Um, and I think people look at it and think, oh, you can't reroll Wound Draw, so it's actually really tanky with Armour Contents. But actually, it's got a full base save. Uh, it's the same with um, Iron here, Half Guard. Uh, they took the Toughness 5, 2 of Armour save, minus 1 damage. However, I mean, if you shoot them with 40 shots or you get 40 wounds, you're going you're gonna to make a couple of, you're definitely going to make quite a few ones in their rolls. So actually, they do die. And the problem is, is for example, if you charge like a 70 point Repentia unit into these um, half guard, sure, uh, the Repentia unit dies, but they're taking more than 70 points with them. And I find the problem is, is they don't trade efficiently in that sense a lot because it's so high on wounds. But at the same time, you don't also have a lot of screens. So, for example, if you... Um, if you say for the problem I find is I have a really good damage output, but I I only have ten warriors. So if I want to create a screen of ten warriors, somewhere else is going to have a problem. And there's really smart ways of playing about that, especially like for example, if you've got a big L somewhere, you can then stage your half guard there, and the relic stops deep strikes uh, of twelve inches. So if there's a teleportation unit for like thousand suns, they can, I can use. Um, I can, yeah, I can provide protection to other units by smart positioning, but at the same time, I don't have mortal wound screens. So on an open map, and a Tyranid just drops Tyranocytes uh, with like zone probes, something's dead. And sometimes it's just a bit too much. And I find, yeah, I find the trading can be a bit limited because it's just, yeah, there's just no real screens. Right. Has any of you pl actually played, and I always ask this when we analyze an army, because I always find this uh, interesting, because if an army is popular, sooner or later this thing is going to happen, and I'm, by the thing I mean mirror matches. Has any one of you actually played a mirror match, and does a mirror match between leagues of Votan boil down to whoever goes first, or is it actually a game of chess? I think it's uh, for me. I haven't played this one yet because <clears throat> I mostly play not on TTS but live and 
currently live, there are like two people in three cities that have 2K army of votants, and I am one of those. <laughs> uh, so it's pretty hard. But actually, I gave some thought about it because uh, initially I was playing not the Emir mostly, but the the league that gives you plus one to, uh, toughness uh for some crazy units of warriors and all that stuff uh warriors with uh, six toughness uh and feel no pains uh so i think that mirror matches the meta mirror matches uh between the votants will go to uh to the syndrome of current edition who will roll better because and uh some maneuvering also included uh, but mostly, like you, like you said, it's going to be uh, a chess game. Who will who will maneuver better with the bikes, and who will uh, who will roll better uh, at intervals? Mm -hmm. that, that, that's me. Um, yeah, I I don't think it requires having like I played actually played the mirror um, three times now, and I don't think it's a case of who goes first. I think it's more a case of who's built what list because right. Um, we're going to see different kinds of lists. I think actually, I think we're going to see predominantly three sort of types of lists. And I think each one sort of can counter the other one quite well. And it's, so it's, it's, yeah, it's definitely a chess match and it's more understanding your opponent's list, of course, as it is with any army and knowing how to deal with that matchup. But also you're going to hit a rock, paper, scissors scenario where a lot of different things like dice yes like we said dice always come into play but also then the table uh, and this goes back to what i said about um i don't care about the table i care about my opponent's agency on their table what table benefits them less about me because i can play this my kind of list can play on any kind of table it's more about how is my can my opponent abuse that the table for them how uh, and say for example if i go against um a land fortress build and they're on an open table, I'm in a bit of trouble. However, if they're on a closed table, I, I can win that really easily. So for me, there's quite a few different factors in, in the mirror. And it's actually quite an exciting mirror, I would say. Um, like there are three mirrors that I find really fun. GSC is a really, really fun mirror because that's very much skill intensive. And it's not about who goes first, because if you go first, your opponent has, the whoever goes second has an advantage. Um, in that in that matchup, uh, so there's a really high skill cap um, to that kind of matchup. Uh, same with Harley's, there's a massive skill cap in that matchup, and I think in Votan as well. Um, I think there is that, and it's, it's actually a really fun mirror. I find. Excuse me, sir. Have you ever played a Knight's Mirror? <laughs> that uh, is uh, that is pretty crazy. I, I've never played a Knight's Mirror, and I assume playing the mirror is like watching paint dry. But nice is not happy for me to be honest with you. Um, I tried it and I just found it quite boring. So it's either watching paint dry or just blowing everything in one turn. Are we talking mm. about imperial knights and everyone just puts bonds on each other and tries to kill each other with a four up invulnerable, saving a minus one damage? Or are we talking chaos knights? I don't know. That's, uh, that prevents uh, rerolls, have feel no pains, all that <laughs> stuff. Yeah. Uh, yeah, you're not um, you're not selling it really well, but. Um, <laughs> Listen, guys. I, I want to move to the last segment of um, of this discussion. Uh, I would like to do it in such a way that I, I I selected what I think are how many? One, two, three, four, five, six, seven. Seven 
certain armies that are top of the meta right now. Um, and I would like you to give me the supposed prediction of a win versus loss against that army. And obviously we can delve a little bit on each and every single one, because if I throw out Tyranids, obviously there are, you know, Leviathan, Tyranids, probably not anymore, but Kraken, Behemoth, um, German Gander, they probably play differently. But there are going to be armies like Harlequins where you probably stick to just one Sadath or Sisters or something. So I'm going to throw out an army. I would like you to tell me, you know, how likely, how likely is it for the Votan to win? And then also, does that army have any mechanics? Can you think of any mechanics that, that the Votan army is specifically susceptible to, for example? Right, can I so, this up a tiny bit? Because uh -huh. I imagine me and uh, Vitalis have two different lists. Okay. If, if Vitalis could just tell us quickly what list he runs, and then we can give it... Um, a, we can give it from his perspective or his list and my perspective from mine because I think different lists will have different problems. Yeah, that's true. A fair point. So, yeah, so, that's a good approach. Uh, my list uh, that I recently played from 2K was uh, Haikal, uh, the Grimnir, uh, the surprisingly Anchor Champion, that uh, sucks. Uh, three, three squads of warriors, three squads of bikes, fortress, uh, six armies, and uh, ten. No, se sorry, seven. Uh, seven surfers. So that was my take. More of a mobile gun line than uh, what Danny said. Total mobility. But yeah, I can see we are leaning the same mobile uh, mobile point here. Okay, that that does differ slightly actually because of the aid of warriors. And the uh, the land fortress, um, and I I think actually the inclusion of a land fortress and leaning in that is quite pivotal, obviously, to the list. Where I think some some um, some of the top meta will you'll do better against. Is it a land fortress with the magna rail or a land fortress with the beamer? Uh, with, with the magna. The magna. Okay, yeah. So definitely you you're definitely going to have a better time against some armies, and I'm going to struggle against. Uh, and you'll, ha you'll struggle against armies that I might be good against with my list. And uh, so this is a good exercise, actually. And my list is uh, basically a Karl, a Grimnir. So it's a high Karl, Grimnir, 10 warriors with just a medipack, um, 18 bikes with Hylas and all the buffs, uh, two squads of five berserkers, two Sagittars with the uh, Mata Auto Cannons, and eight half guard with the Volkite. Um, the swords and the teleport relic. So it's quite a high mobile um, list. So it's different. So now we can get into the, now that we know what we're talking about, we can get into the matchups. Yeah, yeah I guess we should, we, we, should, we should start with those lists. <laughs> yeah, which, which, which leagues are those for you, Vitalis? Uh, for me, it's Emir. And Same. for you, Danny? Emir. Oh, okay. All right. So at least we, we, we know that now. Okay. So I'm going to throw out an army, whoever wants to pick it up and, and give me your prediction of what, you know, the, the, the game would look like and what dangers await you. Uh, let's start with Tao. Uh, so maybe I will start, mm -hmm. as I have some insight on Tao also. Uh, from my perspective, I think it's 50-50. Uh, because, uh, like I said, I have a mobile gunline and Tao is also similarly mobile gunline. Uh, so it's uh, it's pretty hard to say right now. Uh, I have the I think I have the edge uh, of uh, having a lot of involves, 
that uh, Tao uh, sometimes struggle. Uh, I have the edge of uh, combat units uh, like the uh, the Zerkers and the especially the Terminators in that matchup can go clutch because they can teleport somewhere crazy and cause some havoc from the backline. So 50-50 from my side. Okay, Danny? Uh, for me, it requires two things. A, if you've got planes. And B, if there is a sort of terrain on the flanks that I can stage behind. So if they well, have let's planes, assume it has planes because I, I think that's the most common build right now. Yeah, I am everyone around the Yeah, I am seeing some builds without planes, and I would say if they've not got planes, it's a really easy matchup for me, I would say. If they've got planes, it forces me to it forces me to be a bit more defensive, so it can be a bit of a struggle, but I still think I win. Uh, however, I think it's more dependable on whether I've got this ruin on either flank to stage behind, um, because that what yeah because what that force again forces the opponent to do is have to overextend and and reposition and then I've got full agency with my mobility. Um, if I haven't got something like that or something in the middle or anything that I can use to my advantage, then it's a bit of a struggle. But overall, I think I can I, I win it every time so far. Okay, that's great. Um, moving on to Harlequins. Vitalis, what do you think? Uh, like I said, uh, I think they will be the boogeyman of Voten because uh, you cannot reposition fast enough. They will catch you anyway. Their shooting is decent. The combat is uh, insane, like always with Harleys. So I predict a loss here because there is not much talking about the Harlequin's build. Okay, Danny. Uh, um, yeah. If the if my opponent knows what he's doing, there's not really much I can do. Um, they the problem is is that they just have they have better scoring and they have so many ways to sort of shut down movement. That and because of the transports, and then you've got to get them inside the trading. It's just really difficult to to play around. It's a really hard matchup. Okay, all right. Um, what do you think is going to be the most common Harlequin build right now? Because I, I think we saw a lot of you know light Harlequins, but I hear that Twilight might now might now be the the the, the go to sort of say that uh, after the nurse because of the movement shenanigans and so on. Do you think that's what we're going to see? Is that something that the Polish players are trying out already? Um, it's hard to say. I think I've seen so far a lot of the Poles are still playing light. Uh, personally, I could be wrong, but for me, um, Twilight is much better on something like the USO map because um, the way their terrain works is you could have big units of troops that can just sit there and not get touched. And then they've got a nice, easy uh, mobility or uh, movement lane to get to where they want to go and stage behind. So it's perfect for USO. Uh, again, Twilight can be good on like really, uh, like um, really heavy to UTC maps. But I think if you've got like a big squad and then you get into like a really open map, it's really difficult to you know to play into. So until we get consistent maps. And like where perhaps in our tournaments we'll see just uh, you know consistent maps, not all one to eight, but maybe just four. Then maybe we might see Twilight. But right now I I still don't think it's going to be as popular as Light 
because light is still quite a safe pick, whereas Twilight is quite high risk, I would say. Okay, understood. Let's move on to another uh, powerhouse in the meta right now, so Tyranids. As I said, there will be different flavors of Tyranids, although Leviathan is most likely going away. Uh, so we have Behemoth, uh, we have the very quick Kraken, and then the minus one, and uh, deep striking shenanigans from, from Jarman Gander. Uh, I'll start with Danny this time. Have you had an opportunity to play against any of those, and how did you do? Oh, I played against Tyranids of every flavor of ice cream. Um, the big uh, so the biggest problem I've had with Tyranids is two things, um, three things actually. If someone has Tyranocytes and they just want to throw in uh, Zonthropes, I've mentioned this before. If they want to just throw in mm -hmm. Zonthropes, like a couple of players are doing in Poland, then that's a big problem because I just there's nothing I can do to stop that. Um, so that's one thing. If they've got that, that's a really difficult matchup because they can just if especially if they go first. Um, they can just alpha and get rid of something and add like bikes, for example. Um, so that's one thing. The other thing, if they've got harpies, if they've got harpies, then it becomes a more, much more difficult matchup. If they don't, then it's a lot more manageable. And the reason similar to Tau, right? Exactly. You can see a bit of a consistent um, theme here. The problem with that is is half guard. If they have if they have a plane that can come and drop bombs, I cannot start half guard on the board. Because I do not want, like, if I've got eight, that's what, uh, technically, two models I've lost. 70, 90 points I'll lose. Or if they spike high, which all, obviously they always do, and get, like, six to eight models, then I'm losing three to four models. Uh, so I cannot do that. So it's forcing me to have to put them into deep strike. Um, and a lot of people already do that, but I think that's, I, I like to keep them on the board because they do, I still have a 22-inch set range on Volkite. So it forces my opponent to have to play around this. And I like that because then I don't have to, you know, I can have that impact from turn one. Uh, it's quite, you know, it's tactical. Um, so if they've got planes and they've got harpies, I can't do that. So it makes it quite a difficult matchup for me in that sense, especially if they go first. So that's two things. The other thing is, um, uh, so the other thing is the the Hive Tyrant. And I the Hive Tyrant is still always a problem. However, it's a bit of a problem, less of a problem now, but it's still a problem. Obviously. And it sounds silly because you might think, but everyone takes a high parent, but we are seeing, like you say, Yorgmunder lists, perhaps where they're taking two tyrants instead of a high tyrant, a fly run, sorry. They're taking high tyrants and not a fly run. But then I think the biggest problem right now is if someone just spawns Carnifexes um, and Tyranifexes with the big damage and they just throw that into, like, say, um, a land fortress. I've played games where land for I've, I've lost three land fortresses in one turn. Holy crap. Uh, but yeah, but yeah, it does seem like a go-to build after Leviathan Earth. Like all I've heard and seen are current effects and yeah. I think right now I'm gonna be okay-ish um with uh Kraken builds and Bay Bayamoth builds. I think if someone starts building into Khan effects and Tyran effects and Yogmunda, I think um I think I might start seeing problems. But yeah, it's for so yeah, for me, um Yogmunda and harpies are more of the problems so if they've not got that then it's a lot easier now to deal with okay vitalis have you had any chance to play tyranids no with voltans not yet uh especially not after the nerfs recent uh, recent nerfs uh but uh, similar uh, similar things here my list get one thing that uh danny's list lacks uh i got a chaff to throw against mortal wound spam 
So uh, against some zone drops, I think I will fare a bit better. Uh, screen. Mm. Yeah, I can just throw warriors, uh, throw some film paints, maybe uh, even save some of those guys if we're all some sixes. Uh, and then Counter-Strike with bikes and Fortress, but uh, yeah, the Fortress is going to be primary target for all the Tyranids big guns. Uh, and those are, those are well, pretty good at killing tanks as, as our games usually uh, told us against my knights, where you were able to kill like three of those turns sometimes. Uh, so, so yeah, against some builds, uh, it's still going to be very, very, very tough matchup against some, maybe not as much, uh, especially against lists that rely on those, on those mortals from Psychic, uh, because uh, I have range advantage against those, against uh, Tyrannofexes, Carnifexes, uh, some Tyrant with Shard Gullet, maybe not so much. Uh, fly runs also is going to be still a big issue because the, they are heavy hitting in combat, uh, even heavier than anything uh, my list packs. So if they reach me, uh, I can be in a bit of trouble. Um, so okay. a bit more positive than Danny, but not very much. Just to add in on okay. that, um, if, if you've got just zone ropes, <clears throat> I'm not a Tyrannocyte, I don't care about zone probes because I it they only move so they only move so much range and they're not gonna alpha strike. The problem yeah, you can I also, have, also outman over them, yeah, true. Exactly. The problem I have is the alpha strike potential because if they go first and they drop Tyrannocytes and then they just waddle out some zone probes, there's nothing I can do. I, I can't play around that because yeah, you have three squads of warriors, I don't. Um so I mean, and then obviously people might say, Well, why don't you get some screens? Well, I don't think it's it's going to break my list, so I can't do that. I've got, I can only have one max. Uh, so if they have Tyrannocytes, it's a problem. If they don't, I actually have no issue right now with things like zone probes. Um, and yeah, so it's just mostly the alpha strikes that I struggle that that I think my list kind of struggles with. But if there's no alpha strike potential, I I have a really really good uh, win ratio right now. Okay, so uh, let's move to first of all an army that is very common in Poland, and I. I think many people are happy to see it back and to see, to, to, to see it having a, a strong codex. Second, um, a mechanic that is almost like alpha striking and might hurt you. So Chaos Demons. Um, Danny, have you played against them already? How did you fare? Uh, you know, is, is there any sort of, uh, as I mentioned, mechanic that you that, that the Proton are specifically susceptible to? Yeah, so <clears throat> this is interesting, actually, because, again, uh, in Poland, uh, yeah, a, a lot of people are now playing demons. I think I think demons are way better than people are, exp you know, people are saying. And actually, I think demon players are in a little bit of denial about how strong the codex is. Um, because their board, their board control is no other, unlike any other army in the entire game. And if they build around that um, and build around their deep strike mechanic, leadership mechanic, they are just so strong. Uh, but uh, like, yeah, a lot of people are in denial about this. Um, like a lot of people are in denial about uh, the Void Weavers or they're in denial about Turnids and still are. Um, anyway, saying that, I've struggled a lot recently with this uh, Demons uh, for two reasons. Uh, number one is A, they have, like I say, if you've not got the screens, uh, to stop the deep strike, uh, deny, you know, de deny the deep strike mechanic, 
then they have full agency on how they approach the game. So obviously the big boogeyman in this matchup is the Flamers. The Flamers are insane. They have what well, they, they are D6 shot, uh, D6, <clears throat> D6 shots each. Strength five, AP D6 damage plus one. D6 plus three. D6 plus three shots. Strength five, AP, uh, AP two damage one, which they can then get be given plus one to wound and plus one strength. So for most of the uh, units outside of the vehicles, everything is toughness five or lower. You're sure you can make one unit toughness six, but predominantly everything is toughness five or lower. So if you start racking up these buffs, plus one to wound, um, on strength six, they're wounding, let's say, your bikes or your half guards or whatever on twos. And when you start factoring, say, a squad of six, um, it's what going to be, what, 39 shots on average? That's a lot. You, you, can, you can just pop them for CP to have max shots on top of that. Fantastic. Easy. So you can do that. Um, and things like this, like... And that 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 sounds good. That that doesn't sound as that that doesn't sound too strong, although it is. Uh, but people will tell you it's not. The problem is, is they can pop up when they need them to. Uh, whereas you can't do that with your models necessarily. Like your bikes are strategic reserves. Yeah, your terminators can pop up, and yes, they have volkites, and yes, they can do they can get to AP two if they want to, but they don't care. They're gonna three up save. And yes, they have volkites, but at the same time, it's. Three, you can't, you're not going to have three squads of Terminators versus three squads of Flamers. They're always going to have three squads of Flamers. But then they can have the, you know, the melee things, uh, the melee ones can pop up and with a six inch charge, you know, six inch charge, they can start wrecking things like bikes, they can start wrecking things like warriors, etc. Um, so for me, their mechanic outplays Votan. Uh, and I know Vladi lost to Voltan and he's screaming that actually Voltan, Voltan counter demons, that's completely wrong, but that, you know, we can all do that. I, I'm sorry, I disagree with him. Their mechanic outplays Voltan, and if a demon player builds into this mechanic, there's not really much Voltan can do, apart from take this one warlord trait that denies modifiers to leadership and chapter, uh, chapter approved, uh, a combat attrition. Uh, and this is what I'm now having to play with in singles because everyone, like you say, is so popular in this country that I'm guaranteed to play it twice, like Drukari when Drukari came out. I'm guaranteed to play it two to three times a tournament. So this is the only thing I can see to help even the score, but I think it's a counter, unfortunately. Okay, so an uphill battle. Um, Vitalis, right. any comment on that? <laughs> uh, yeah, I can comment freshly on that because, like I said yesterday, I played against the Votans and I played with Demons. Uh, so uh, I am uh, totally uh, on board with Danny here. Uh, which Demon... poor bastard did you... Which poor bastard? Uh, actually, I lost that game, but we'll get to that in a, in a second. Because uh, you're not really helping the narrative we're trying to build. No, yeah, exactly. <laughs> I, I'm exactly on board with you, but uh, let me get uh, let me get to to uh, to the point. So uh, the game was pretty one-sided until one moment, because uh, the the uh, the Tsinge Greater Demon popped everything from uh, Mortals at the start. The Flamers came down and burned pretty much everything they had sight on. I was dropping Flamers and I was just at some point, at the first uh, squad of the Flamers, we were, no, sorry, it was even second squad of the Flamers, we were like, should I roll this or will you just take those guys out? Uh, because uh, both, I rolled those attacks and both uh, ended the same. Uh, I think the one 
maybe not the counter, but also I think to to explore this matchup was uh, uh, actually the fortress, because that was the thing that won him the game. Uh, the fortress with a Brock near took the blunt of the of the charge. Of, it was a 1,000 1, point game, not 2,000, but it gives uh, both our lists were pretty pretty scaled down metal lists. Uh, so the fortress took whole charge of the bot tier still, like I mentioned, and it still lived. Uh, so uh, screening with fortresses in this matchup is not as crazy idea as it sounds. Uh, especially with uh, Brockner hanging around, because these things can uh, take uh, take a punishment, and uh, demons have nothing to to bypass invuls on the on the combat uh, units aside so from some mortals that are not also spammed but uh, rolled on sixes, so not end of the world here. Uh, and that's why I lost this game because I had no uh, no uh, method of uh, bringing down the fortress uh, at the end. You but actually make a really good point there. Uh, just to interject really quickly, I think a lot of mistakes I see people play is they play fortresses defensively, and yeah, actually keep them in the back or something like that. Yeah, yeah, and actually they are really good as aggressive units that can just they just move ten inches forward, they charge something. They tie them up. Uh, they have a broker just like running in behind. And actually, because they can shoot in combat, they can do quite a lot of damage and they can free themselves to shoot something else. Playing them aggressively is really good. All right. Um, so I'll, I'll move on because, you know, this episode is turning uh, lengthy. Um, let's go to Sisters really quickly. So has any, any of you played the Sisters? Is that a good matchup, a bad matchup? Danny, I give my voice here to you because I have played so little sisters matchup recently that I cannot score them with any army right now. I am not feeling confident to do that. Fair enough. Um, okay, so ironically, I've actually got a tournament game against sisters on TTS after this, straight after this. Um, but I, so yeah, sisters for me. Um, the problem with sisters is. They are very cost effective for what they provide. So Zephyrim, when they charge you and they're doing what is it like four or five five attacks, I think, on the charge. And then they get full rerolls and then they get extra hits on sixes. Uh and then they can be given plus one to wound. So they wounded probably all of your stuff apart from the fortresses on on fours. So we're talking a squad of like seven is what, thirty-five attacks, thirty-six attacks. Rerolling everything, hitting on threes, plus one, you know, sixes, basically a lot of attacks. As we mentioned earlier, um, pure weight volumes of dice. kill Votan. Mm -hmm. Exactly. Pure weight of dice, pure volumes kill Votan. Um, and that would be all forgiven. However, it's really hard to screen out sisters or uh, not screen out sisters necessarily, but really um, get enough distance from sisters and not screw yourself, shoot yourself in the foot because their miracle dices allow them to have really, really outrageous charges if they get lucky and get roll like a six or a five on the miracle dice. So you the anticipating the threat range and staying far away can actually because especially when they can get like plus one to move so they move 13 inches, they got a 25 inch threat range on Zephyrin. Um, or the Repentia can like advance and charge, that's 30, they can go 13 inches and then another 12, so another 25 inches. They, they're, this, they have so much agency in this matchup, 
and so much damage that they're like we're saying their one-to-one trading is just way better um like one zephyrin will pick up six bikes or one repenture squad full squad will pick up six bikes or they'll pick up um they'll absolutely pick up half guard even with the minus one damage if they get you know quite good rolls with the rerolls and all the buffs so it's actually a really hard difficult matchup that would be forgiven if they did not have such easy to score secondaries as well so it because of these two factors it's just a really big counter if you ask me okay that's an interesting thing i didn't expect that i, I thought you would say you steamroll through them and you know you don't look back surprisingly but, okay. hammer of contempt on cheap bodies is actually quite good mm. okay. one that's uh, not steamroll at sisters yeah that i know uh, uh, listen, guys. Two more, two more armies to go. Two that are actually three. Uh, so I'll start with uh, this. I guess the simpler one uh, that has a single build, which is Necrons. Uh, Vitalis, you play Necrons. I, I think there isn't an army that you don't play, but you you do know Necrons well. So if you haven't played them, even on a hypothetical level, how well do you think the voting fair into Necrons? Uh, with, like, I think that's cool the. That's the same scenario that I played uh, on uh, our team uh, championship recently, where you uh, table them and uh, they still outscore you. Because you, uh, like Danny mentioned, even if you have uh, empty table, you you can suck at scoring. Because all the, all the obsecs uh, the Necrons have, uh, you just cannot compete with that. So uh, firepower-wise, you win. You will table them, I think, around about around three or round four. But it's uh, way too late, right? Yeah, it's way too late. The round three is absolute tops you can do to even compete with with the Necrons. Round four is gonna be too late to win. So uh, you will you will table them, but you will lose some points. That's that's my take, and that's pretty much all armies can say about Necrons. So. Right now, at least, yeah. Uh, Danny, agree? Disagree? Um, yeah, no, uh, yeah, you can't outscore them. You've got to have a really early, you've got to have a really solid game plan, I would say. Um, and you've got to really just push it. You can outplay them. That's what's important here is I think you can outplay them. Um, Necrons are very, what's the word? Um... I can't think of English today. They're very um, obvious in what, how they play. Predictable. They're very predictable. You know what they're going to do. You know how they're going to do it. They they are very specific objectives, uh, secondaries. You know what they're going to do. So you, you can outplay this. So, for example, you could throw some bikes. Or if you're GTL, for example, you can throw a load of warriors onto an objective and... Uh, or throw your bikes onto an objective and stop their little... their three bikes from coming and doing the action because they don't control it. Um, yeah, but you, you know, it's you've got three to bikes. Sorry to interrupt you. It's not three bikes anymore. It's going to be like ten bikes, and the scarabs going behind. So I will disagree a bit here. I, I was just about to say. I was just about to say. I find the hardest build is the one that doesn't use Silent King because the Silent King, the minute he pops out, he's dead. He is not surviving any shooting that this army does because of tokens. However, the hardest I find is nine scarabs with a five up invulnerable save. Um, because you both have really good shooting, but they don't have they cannot they're not gonna do 36 wounds. Um, 
to the scarabs, and then the scarabs will keep reanimating, and they're just going to keep them from, you know, they're just going to absolutely ruin their day. The, the more, um, like, the more creative Necron players get, the easier it is, I think, because, uh, like, yeah, um, destroyers are really good. Yeah, they can fire a lot of shots. They don't kill an entire bike squad. They don't kill a fortress, and then they get picked up. They'll they'll pick up the they'll destroy us, but they won't pick up the scarabs. And I find actually, if you like you just said, if you they start tailoring into big squads of scarabs or bikes, then it becomes a problem. Uh, and that that is a matchup I don't think they'll win. But then that is also a really boring army to play. Who on earth would enjoy that? <laughs> okay, and yeah, talking about him, the last army that I wanted to bring up, um, Chaos Space Marines. So both of you, again, play this army, I know. However, I wanted to focus on the two, I think, most common builds. One that has been prominent for a longer while. The second one that I think came to light uh, after the LGT. So first of all, Creations of Bile, and secondly, Emperor's Children. So Emperor's Children with uh, Abaddon, with a Terminator Brick, with Noise Marines, like five or six units of Noise Marines, some uh venom crawlers or something like that and creations of bile obviously with like possessed and then the other combination of units um how do you think you would fare against those two uh, army combinations so maybe i'll start because i will be mm -hmm. i think brief here uh i haven't yet played against creations of bile uh, nor against uh, Emperor's Children, but I saw Emperor's Children at work at LGD. Right. So it will be all hypothetical from uh, my side. Uh, but I think uh, there is enough firepower on Votan side, enough mobility, especially to, to outmaneuver, outfire those guys, uh, because uh, the Noise Marines uh, does not have. You have like to have like five squads of those guys to to put a dent on uh, on something uh, really important for votants uh, and getting shot in the meantime, uh, especially with the fortresses. Uh, the fortress can uh, can stand some serious punishment from CSM firepower. Uh, the Terminators break gonna be an issue. But again, they are not the fastest uh, unit in the in the codex, so you can also do some fancy maneuvering about the, uh, around them and slowly chip them away, throwing some. In my case, especially some chaff warriors to to be eaten in the meantime. Uh, so I will take my chances with the Emperor's Children. I think it will be mostly skill matchup. Maybe a bit of a table table here because of my biggest fortress, like Danny uh, mentioned, uh, and no comment from about the creations of bio from my side. I have zero experience with that. Okay, Danny, have you managed to play against any of those? Um, I, I have actually. Um, so creations of bio is I I've never even buy. I don't I, I never thought creations of bio was that good in the first place. Because like the, their entire problem with their mechanic, it just doesn't work against Votan. Because if you get shot and not stabbed, you can't fight on death. Pretty much, which denies the whole point exactly, of this army. Exactly, and I, this is one of the reasons why. I mean, we've said this on another podcast why I never valued them in the first place. Because against half the armies, in fact, most of the armies in the meta, you, you do nothing against them. They were they're they're a bit of a um, 
they they stomp middle table, and yeah, they do really well in USL because of their terrain. Uh, but in, in WTC, they're just going to get shot before they even get into uh, combat because um, Votan bikes or whatever is they're fast. Right, Sagittarius damage to and everything, they'll pick them up really quickly. Um, so that's not an issue. Uh, so I don't creation of the bar is not a problem. Empress Children is an interesting one. Um, the problem with Empress Children is they have. I, I actually I think it's actually a really difficult matchup. Depending on that, two things. Uh, the first one is A, what your list is, and B, how the table is set, um, which is really obvious, uh, because if they can shoot you, you're going to die. Because they have a 48-inch range on their gun. 48-inch range. So, and the forge, uh, the forge master, uh, the, um, the fortress moves 10 inches and has um, a 34-inch range, 36-inch range, Sorry, I got hiccups. 36 inch range, so they're moving to 46 inch range. Unless it's in me and then it gets plus four inches and it's 40. What that means is they can outrange you. Um, and if if they have, say, six squads of noise marines and they've got rerolls, um, they and they all shoot your fortress, I'm pretty sure they're gonna almost kill it. And um, they can pretty efficiently keep you at keep you at range with the terminator breaking a button going to the middle of the table, which they usually do. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, so for me, if you play a Fortress build, exactly, I think actually this is a really difficult matchup, especially if you go first. If you go first, you have to position, and no doubt they're hiding. Um, so, yeah, if you go first, you're going to, I think they're gonna, you're going to really struggle. How, um, on UKTC, that's a bit different. But even on UKTC, again, they've got plenty of places where they'll they'll hide all these noise marines, and then you're going to deal with a terminator break. However, with my particular list, I've actually not had many struggles with them, um, and that's mostly because of I have quite a lot of mobility in my list, and um, I can obviously I'll throw one bike squad in, uh, into strategic reserves, but then if I go first, my bikes can go 24 inches, and I'm going to start picking out noise marines left, right, and center. And I'll, once I've killed all the, I don't even care about terminators. Like my advice to anybody listening to this: if you play against um, CSM and they've got 10 terminators, you don't ever even look at the terminators. You just play around them until they fail their prior, and then you go balls deep in that terminator brick as much as possible uh the second they don't get transit man they, they roll one you just go balls deep and you wipe out that terminator squad um if they keep getting the prey you just play around them and go for the nose marines because they the terminators cannot win the game and this is why i moved away from a terminator brick in my csm list is because they cannot win the game and if you start taking out the nose marines then it's an easy game to be honest with you uh, so I think it, it boils down to the list and how much you can hide from them Blastmasters. But them Blastmasters really hurt, Jesus Christ. It's what, three shots each? If the six, has 18 shots. And in 24-inch range, it's damage four. So there's a lot of damage they put out. But yeah, for me, I, I would swing CSM towards Rotan as the, the, the win, to be honest. All right. We got to the end of my questions. At least we got to whatever I wanted to cover. Um, any last words, guys? Because I'm going to wrap the episode, but um, maybe, you know, to 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 have like this, what is it? Um, to go 
back to what we mentioned at the very beginning. The army, uh, when we were going into this, not even this interview, but when we were go when we were looking at this army, let's say a month ago, it did seem like a great threat. It did seem like something that, that might break the meta, that that might you know uh, even affect how the tournaments are played. Um, do you think that is going to come to fruition? Uh, Danny, do you think that the Votan are a serious threat to the meta, that they are a meta-breaking or meta-changing army? Do you think that um, other players, other armies will have to build specifically against them? Or are they just an army like any other? I mean, I I think they are a meta-changing army in, in some sense. Um, I think we're going to start seeing a lot of flat three damage being a priority because that flat three damage just wrecks all you know everything in this army so i do think that they do they are going to change it in high ap high strength um flat free damage like anti-tank stuff is going to kill this army really quickly so i think that's going to be really important um do i think he's going to start crushing tournaments not necessarily i think it's gonna have the same issue that i see with say some csm builds that they'll they'll crush they'll go for a zero and then Towards the top of the tables, the ones that sort of are there, the ones that also kind of counter this army. So like demons are at the top, they'll struggle. Um, Harleys are at the top, they'll struggle. And some really solid nids build also at the top and they'll struggle. So you'll go for one without problem. If you get lucky with matchups, yes, you'll go five zero. But you're gonna get, you're gonna crush a wall at the last at the top table, and it's gonna be a pretty intense wall. Um, so yeah, um, we'll find that. Maybe I'll be wrong after this weekend, or maybe I'll be right. We'll find out. Okay, fingers crossed for for your performance over there, Vitalis. Uh, any last sentences from you? Do you think that this army is um, going to break the meta, going to come on top of tournaments, or not really? Before the nerfs, uh, I would slightly lean towards that opinion. Right now, no. Uh, right now, I think it's army like any other. Uh, it will require some shifts in maybe in some of the lists, uh, especially if, like I like I experience uh, minus one to wounds are not as effective as they were before, or some things like that. Uh, but definitely not anything meta breaking, uh, anything worth banning and creating a shitstorm over 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 that. Uh, for sure, a solid army. For sure, fun army. For sure, uh, very very competitive that we will see at the top tables. But like Danny mentioned, maybe not eventually winning the the events because there are, there are some hard, hard counters for for them. Okay, uh, fantastic. That sets uh, me in a positive mood because I know that they are going to be uh, appearing in tournaments. I know that I am going to face them with my now two armies, Tyranids and Death Guard. So uh, we'll see how it goes. Anyway, uh, I'll wrap the episode. So thank you guys for the, I think, one of the deepest insights on this army out there on the internet right now. So thank you, Danny, for your, your you know, for, for the 90 games that you've played and, and the experience that you shared with us. Vitalis, also thank you for having, a, uh, you know, giving us your insights into this with uh, your alternative take with your uh, different army. It was a pleasure to uh, to talk to you guys. Um, and uh, to our listeners, uh, listen, we are back to regular content. The mm, burnout is gone. 
we are all hyped for what is coming. We've seen the new tanks from Guard. We've seen uh, all the um, rumors about Yarek being dead. We've heard about Voten, but we've heard about other uh, stuff that is coming, and we just cannot wait to see it all on the table. So we invite you to stick to us and to like, subscribe, um, you know, hit the, the bell button and whatever you have in all those um, podcasting media and so on. Leave a positive review if you can, or, you know, just a comment on YouTube so that it helps with the algorithms. Um, we have plenty of stuff coming up. We, we hope, and now I'm looking at you, Vitalis, we really hope to release one of the uh, gag reels or bloopers from the LGT because there were a couple of situations at least where we literally pissed our pants. So <laughs> it would be awesome to have that. You, you <laughs> mainly me, mainly me. <laughs> uh, but still, uh, you know, some some fun stuff. But we, are, we, are, we also, as usual, are going to focus on some competitive play on Wednesday. It looks like we we will be recording um, uh, an, an an episode with the representatives of two top teams from a Swedish team tournament that um, took place this weekend, this last weekend. Now I can say, uh, and we will have Neil Kerr uh, among others. So uh, do tune in to find out what, what what's happening in the Swedish meta right now and which armies are on top. Um, and yeah, stick with us because we are going to be putting out some awesome and most importantly regular content right now. Uh, one more time. Thank you, Danny. Thank you, Vitalis. Thank you for and having until me. Next yeah, time. Thank you, guys. Thanks, guys. Bye-bye. Thank you. Bye. Bye. Bye.